Hi, this is Glenn Dawson, and we're bringing you Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast, where we set the mood to worship our great God and King Jesus. We'll see the history and hear the stories about the author's writing of this song. Hi, this is Linda Dawson. Hi, Linda. What song have you got for our listeners today? Today, as we look at this beautiful hymn, My Jesus, I Love Thee, we'll see how it expresses our love and gratefulness to the Lord Jesus Christ for assurance of our salvation from hell and our rewards in heaven. That was actually written by a couple of guys, wasn't it? Yes, and the words are as follows. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I love thee because thou first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, it's now. I'll love thee in life, I will love thee in death, and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath. And say when the death dew lies cold on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. In mansions of glory and endless delight, I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow, if ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. William Ralph Featherstone was born in 1846 in Montreal, Quebec, Canada in 1873. He joined the Westland Methodist Church there. He became a Christian at age 16 while in Toronto and is thought to have written his famous hymn about the same time. He sent the poem to his aunt, Mrs. E. Featherstone Wilson, and she gave it to a publisher. The original copy of the hymn in the author's handwriting is still a cherished treasure in the family. Kenneth Osbeck writes of this hymn in his book, 101 Hymn Stories. It is difficult to realize that this beloved devotional hymn, which expresses so profoundly a believer's love and gratitude to Christ, was written by a teenager. It was not until recent years that the identity of the teenage songwriter, William Ralph Featherstone, became known. Donner M. J. Gordon, an evangelist, founder of Gordon College and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, found the hymn in an 1870 London hymnal published in 1864, just two years following Featherstone's conversion, and was impressed with the words, but did not like the tune. Gordon was a masterful pianist, so he wrote different music for young Featherstone's poem music that has carried the lyrics to every corner of our world. Gordon was born in New Hampton, New Hampshire, on April 19, 1836, and was named for the famed pioneer Baptist missionary to India, Burma. He became a close friend of Dwight L. Moody and was great assistance in Moody's evangelistic efforts in Boston. 
One story about Gordon says he entered Brown University when he was 20 and so was an older freshman for his hazing the student filled the room with smoke and ordered him to stand on a table and to preach a sermon. The student didn't know him well enough to expect what happened next. He mounted the table and he chose his text. A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves. He delivered a very pointed sermon directed at his tormentors. The students with great wrath rushed him like wild animals. But he immediately leaped at the ringleader and tore his coat in half. John Hay came upon the scene and his students were driven away. As we consider the words of the poem, it is clear to see why Gordon deemed it worthy of wider attention. As we sing Featherson's words, we're all able to declare our intimacy with Christ, to sing of our assurance of salvation, to celebrate the gospel, to delight in Christ's loveliness, and to resolve to praise Christ through all circumstances. The movement of each of these themes extends from now, this very moment, into eternity. Another story about My Jesus, I Love Thee, that Ira D. Sankey, the famed musician for Moody, told is a famous actress walking down the street past an open door through which she saw an invalid girl lying on the couch watching people pass by. Thinking to cheer her up, she went inside. She discovered the girl was a devout Christian. The actress, impressed with her words, her patience, her submission, her heaven-lit countenance, and a manner in which she lived her religion, was led to seriously consider the claims of Christianity. She was thoroughly converted and became a true follower of Christ. She told her father, the leader of the theater troupe, of her conversion and her conviction that she could not live a consistent Christian life and still be an actress. Her father was upset, attempting to convince her that their living would be lost and their business ruined if she persisted. Because she loved her father dearly, she consented to fill the published engagement set for a few days from then, of which she was the star. The play was set to go on. That evening came, and the father rejoiced that he had won back his daughter, and their living was not to be lost. However, as the actress came out on the stage, to the applause of the large audience, she stepped forward, a light beam from her beautiful face. To the now silent audience she repeated, My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee are the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If ever I loved thee, my Jesus, tis now. That was all. Leaving the audience in tears, she retired from the stage, never to appear on it again. But through her influence, 
her father was converted, and together they led several others to Christ. The commitment made from the heart of this young actress might have cost her her livelihood, but she caned eternity. Who was that invalid girl? We may never know. The power of a radiant Christian life, even though handicapped, combined with a hymn poem written by a teenage boy in Canada, provided the most effective sermon anyone could have proclaimed. As stated in the beginning of this story, the life of young Featherstone changed after conversion. He simply claimed the promises of God. If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. John fourteen twenty three. While seasoned preachers and pastors penned some of the best hymns of old with decades of theological education, sometimes we discount the experience of a young, even brand new Christian. His raw emotion and expression of thankfulness and love struck a chord in millions of hearts. Writing with the passion of a teenager, yet with the wisdom of someone years beyond his age, Featherstone captures the beautiful, intimate relationship we have with our Savior and the glorious future that awaits us in eternity. Featherstone is thought to have married Julie R. McAllister in 1869. They had a son, John, in 1870. Featherstone died in Montreal at age 26. My first thoughts as I hear this wonderful old song is, God is love, and he first loved me. The foundation of what we're talking about here has to start with God. If we are going to love Jesus, we have to understand that the foundation of love is God, because God is love. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. This is a powerful sort of verse that helps us to think about who is God. What is God? He is love. It helps you to have a right perspective of God. Yes, he is holy. He is righteous judge. No getting away from that. He will judge sin. But first and foremost, he is love. This is why he himself has satisfied his righteous requirements of the law by sending Jesus to die on the cross in your place and mine. Romans 5, 8 tells us, But God demonstrated his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How deep the Father's love that does this. What a love. The old hymns are full of the story of the gospel. You and I are lost, sunk deep in sin, guilty, vile as I could be, no hope within. And then amazement of the love of God that Jesus would come to go on the cross, the depth and breadth, the love of God is greater 
far than any tongue can or pen can tell. It goes beyond the highest star. It reaches to the lowest hell. It's an everlasting love that cares for you as an individual. In Jeremiah 31, 3, it says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. It's so sad when people feel that no one loves them. The creator of the universe, God in heaven, loves you, and he calls you his child. 1 John 3, 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it does not know him. In the words of the old hymn, My Jesus, I love ye, because thou first loved me, certainly demonstrates that God really loves me. The song continues. My gracious Redeemer purchased my pardon. We must never forget that we are sinners saved by grace, that we deserve an eternity in hell, that nothing you and I could do could ever make you good enough to get into heaven. It's not a scale of your good deeds weighed against your bad deeds. No, Isaiah 64, 6 makes it clear when it says, We are all infected and impure with sin. When we display our righteous deeds, there are nothing but filthy rags. Like autumn leaves, we wither and fall, and our sins sweep us away like the wind. We are without hope, but praise God. Jesus purchased your pardon on Calvary's tree. Looking in Galatians 3.13, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. Our God is a God who is the God of amazing grace. He forgives and removes the stain of sin. Isaiah 43.25 tells us, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Psalm 86.55 For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive, and abundant in mercy to all those who call upon you. His perfect justice demanded a perfect substitute for us. This is why Jesus came. Romans 5.20 tells us, Moreover, the law entered, that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Then Colossians 1.14, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. The song words, I love thee for wearing the thorns upon thy brow, portray the crown of thorns. Matthew twenty-seven twenty-nine proclaims, When they had twisted a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And then they bowed to the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! 
The thorns are a symbol of sin. In Genesis 3.13, the word reads, Both thorn and thistles it shall bring forth to you, and you shall eat of herbs of the field. Jesus was crowned with your sin. His glory is the taking on himself of your sin. The only one that could do this. Hebrews 2.9 says, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor that day, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. My friend, if you call upon him, your sins will be forgiven because of the agony on the cross. The song continues, All the follies of sin I resign. There is a change in the way people live when Jesus comes into our lives. We live differently. The Holy Spirit works in his children to make them live right. If you would allow the awesomeness of how much God loves you, of what Jesus has done for you, as in 1 Peter 2.23 tells us, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. The only right response is, as Peter says, Live for righteousness and die to sin. Turn away from everything that you know God hates. Isaiah 55, 7 says, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Ephesians 4.22 That you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Edward Studd, a wealthy Englishman, was saved during the D.L. Moody Crusades in London in the late 1800s. When someone asked one of his servants, if he had become religious or something, his coachman responded, Well, sir, we don't know much about that, but all I can say is that though there's the same skin, there's a new man inside. Here is a man who had laid aside every weight at sin and loved Jesus. It was evident in his changed life. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. Turn away from sin and desire to live right demonstrating your love for Jesus because he first loved you. 1 John 4:19 says, We loved him because he first loved us. John 14:15 says, If you love me, keep my commandments. 
I'm not saying that we become perfect in what we do. We become perfect because of what Jesus did for us. After salvation, we start seeing changes in our life. Let him come into your life today. Ask him in. Let him change you. Now let's listen to Glenn as he plays My Jesus I Love Thee on the alto sax. Thank you. 
songs streaming individually on the web now without the podcast anytime. We have a growing list of songs in distribution released to your favorite music streaming application. Just Google search for the music of Glenn Dawson. And don't forget, you can ask Alexa to come and play our podcast. Just say, Alexa, play Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast, and Alexa will get it and play it for you. Our main reason for living is to reach people for Christ and minister to the church. You can help us reach more people if you like us on Facebook and repost us on your Facebook page to your friends. Today's podcast is a production of the Glenn Dawson Evangelistic Association, located here in Lexington, Kentucky. We'll see you all again next week on Preparing Our Hearts for Worship podcast. Thanks for listening, and goodbye for now.